Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey this is liz this is heather and this week's book club episode is on timothy zahn's thrawn alliances all right, hit that music. Hey guys, we're super excited that you could be with us today because we are doing another book club episode. Yep, it's book number two in the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. And there's a specific reason why we picked this book. Yeah, we're picking this and it is because Timothy Zahn, famous Star Wars author, is coming to Comic Palooza next week. It's incredible. I'm so excited. I cannot believe he is coming. We have got some amazing guests this year, but for some reason, I am pretty much most excited about Timothy Zahn. I really hope he's going to do some literary panels. I need to I need to download the app, the Comicpalooza yeah. app, to check out the schedules. Yes. And I don't know what Timothy Zahn looks like in real life, but I will be very disappointed if he's not blue. He's not blue. I apologize for your inconvenience. <laughs> but he should be. Because, I mean, Thrawn, blue, Zahn. Glowing red eyes. Yeah. I think that it just, you know, you're right what you know. Yeah, it's true. I don't know that. But anyway, so you guys don't don't forget to go get your passes for Comic Palooza. We're super excited. Um, we've got guests like Grant Gustin from CW's The Flash, Amelia Clark from Solo and Game of Thrones. Just, ugh. I mean, even Billy Zane is going to be there. Come on. Yes. Well, don't forget John Barrowman. Oh, yes. The love of my life. We love John Barrowman. Do you think he'd want to be on our podcast? Oh, I bet we could get him. He we would sh- say he would he would say exciting things, but then he wouldn't be there. We should start a Twitter. Remember how when we did Felicia Day, we did the hashtag Hi Felicia for her to come on our show. We should do that with John Barrowman and see if we can get him to come to our live show. Yep. If and if he's the first celebrity guest, he gets a beer from Heather. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> We're just gonna have to have the beers. I did uh, have, uh, we went to this panel when we were at Gallifrey One, mm-hmm. and it was like you paid a little extra, and it was actually a drinks reception, and he came to our he came to our table. It was very exciting. Maybe he'll recognize you if you wander by. Probably not. And just <laughs> give him a flyer for our show. Yeah. We were actually at, eating lunch at the hotel, and uh, Craig's talking, and then all of a sudden, like, John Berman just walks up behind Craig, not to talk to Craig. He was talking to a waiter or something, and I guess, like, I just stopped talking, and my eyes got <laughs> he's like he's standing behind me Craig's isn't he like, <laughs> i can hear john barrowman <laughs> like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. 
because he was just trying to pick out like the best spot to sit at, but like the stopping place was right behind Craig. <laughs> nice. That's that's a good place to be. You're like, we're gonna sit on the same side of the table just so we can people watch. <laughs> I like to do that at the bars and the restaurants inside the hotels across from the convention center because you just don't know who you're going to run into. Last year, we ran into Bud Bundy on the elevator at the Hilton. So that was super fun. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, it's, you know, it's a con. You you hobnob with celebrities and you feel like, oh, I don't know, like it sh- every day should be con day. Yeah, yeah. Until Sunday, sad Sunday, at about four o'clock when you're like, I'm so tired. I know. But you know what? It's a good tired. You've earned it. <laughs> it's awesome. I know. And then you're like, and you got probably 50,000 steps in, so you're good. <laughs> True. I think the last year I was walking like 11 miles a day because that convention center is big. <laughs> Wear comfortable shoes. That is our number one recommendation for these conventions. Since you guys are going to be there, we're super excited to announce that we got our panel assignments for Comic Palooza. Yep, we have three panels this year that we're participating in. Of course, one of them is our live show. So our first panel is going to be Podcasting for Geeks on Friday, May 10th at 6.30 p.m. in room 360D. We're going to be actually conducting this panel with a couple of other awesome shows, including Walker the Geek, Raging Nerds, and Three Beers and a Mic. The next panel will also be Podcasting 102, Building Your Show. This one is actually sponsored by Comic Palooza, so it's pretty cool. This one runs on Saturday from 3 to 4, also in room 360D, and will feature us and the guys from Nerd Thug Radio and Nerd Foo. So all of the nerd podcasts will be in there. So finally, we have our live show. We're super excited about this because this is our third annual game show with Cards Against Humanity. Yes, we will actually be playing the game with the audience again, and it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be Saturday from 8.30 to 10 p.m., and it's basically pregame time before you get out and hit the bars. And there are actually bars everywhere inside the convention center, including one pretty much right outside our hallway here. So make sure you grab a drink and come on in. It's going to be in room 351 BE. And the first officially announced celebrity that shows up, buying you a beer. Word. (laughs) All right. So it's so much fun. Definitely come out and see us. Always check your schedules. We'll also keep you updated on Instagram, Twitter to let you know what we're going to be doing, because we're not just going to be at those three shows. We're going to be doing a ton of stuff. Come up and say hi. We'll be everywhere. Come grab some nerdy bitches swag. Now we're going to get into our book club for the day. Again, this is a Star Wars book. It's called Thrawn Alliances. This is, like Heather said, the second book in the new canon Star Wars Thrawn lineage. Guess what? Hmm. What? Two things. Number one, spoilers. Yes. Number two, Darth Vader's in it. Eek. Yeah. All over it. <laughs> so I'm going to read you guys the summary for this because we are shit at doing our own summaries. But yeah. I will probably guarantee that we will still end up talking through the book. But that's okay. All right. So this is actually the summary book description from Goodreads.com. Are there spoilers in the book description? Probably. All right. I don't know. Probably not. It's a book description. Anyway, you know there's spoilers. It's a book club. But I don't know if there are any in this or not. I have sensed a disturbance in the force. Ominous words under any circumstances, but all the more so when uttered by Emperor Palpatine. On Batu, at the edges of the unknown regions, a threat to the Empire is taking root. Its existence little more than a glimmer. Its consequences yet 
unknowable. But it is troubling enough to the imperial leader to warrant investigation by his most powerful agents, ruthless enforcer Lord Darth Vader and brilliant strategist Grand Admiral Thrawn. Fierce rivals for the Emperor's favor and outspoken adversaries on Imperial affairs, including the Death Star Project, the formidable pair seems unlikely partners for such a crucial mission. But the Emperor knows that it's not the first time Vader and Thrawn have joined forces, and there's more behind his royal command than either man suspects. In what seems like a lifetime ago, General Anakin Skywalker of the Galactic Republic and Commander Nithran Nuodo, officer of the Chiss Ascendancy, crossed paths for the first time, one on a desperate personal quest, the other with motivations unknown and undisclosed. But facing a gauntlet of dangers on a far-flung world, they forged an uneasy alliance, neither remotely aware of what their futures held in store. Now, thrust together once more, they find themselves bound again for the planet where they once fought side by side. There, they will be doubly challenged by a test of their allegiance to the Empire and an enemy that threatens even their combined might. There you go. All right. So that is definitely very intriguing. And what you miss when you talk about a summary like that is how Thrawn thinks, right? Mm -hmm. You get all of these things with with his narration in general. Yeah. That's that's the best part about all these books, don't you think, is that? Yeah, you actually hear his thinking process in the books, which is fantastic, because it's not even just, hmm, he looks upset. It's very specific, right? Yeah. His eyes have dilated. His breathing has increased. He's looking agitated. Or maybe there's, you know, something is happening. Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it pride? You know, these kind of things. And we listen, at least I listened, I assume you listened to, to the audiobook. And Mark Thompson is the guy who does most of the Star Wars audiobooks. He is fantastic at these voices, really getting the tone of the character down. He just, you know, it's them. I know. It's incredible. And because the narration is mostly going to be Zahn, Zahn. See, his name shouldn't rhyme with the main character. It throws me off. It probably does for a reason. So. All right, Mitra Nuodo, since I have to call him that, no, he'll say stuff like, often actually, when he, talking about Darth Vader, like, his hand moves slightly open towards his lightsaber. He says that like seven or eight times. Right. I, I love this, like, he's like, he's hooked his thumbs through the belt. And I'm just like imagining him standing there like a cowboy with his thumbs looped into anything. It's just, I don't know. With the looped in thumbs, I don't think of Darth Vader. I think of James Earl Jones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be great. But anyway, so this book, like the, the summary kind of alludes to it, that there's really two storylines running through this book. And they run concurrently so that, you know, it's past and future or past and present all kind of blending, you know, together. They'll talk about one, switch to the other, go back and forth like that. Yeah. So the main timeline or the current timeline that we're talking about is going to be between episodes three and four. So this is going to be after the formation of the Empire, but before A New Hope. So they haven't blown up the Death Star. And this is Darth Vader and Thrawn. And again, they're looking for some sort of force disturbance in the area of Batu, which is way out in the bumfuck nowhere. But the second storyline is actually back during the Clone Wars. So it's Anakin Skywalker, Padme, and Thrawn, and they find themselves in that same area of space 
dealing with some of the same stuff. Yeah, I really liked it, though, because we got a little bit of Padme in it. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to hear from her. I could give a shit about Anakin, but. <laughs> yeah, Anakin. Oh, he's such a whiny bitch. Yeah. Like all the Skywalker boys are pretty much whiny bitches just throughout. Yeah. But Anakin is the worst, I will say, because not only does he throw a fit when he's Anakin, he throws them when he's Darth Vader, too. Like just tantrums. It's really <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah. I know. And Padme is generally a really nice person. She just has terrible taste in men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think about the two storylines? I really liked it because, honestly, the problem with the first book a little bit too much was about the strategy behind it. And so, you know, describing the pieces on the chessboard isn't as exciting as seeing the outcomes for it. And so I think that the two storylines not only... One, sped up the story, but also made it more interesting to people that aren't big strategy fans. What I find really interesting, and we see this throughout the entire book, when Thrawn is talking to Vader in the here and the now, he is constantly referring to the time when, quote, we were on Batu or when we did this in the past. He knows that Vader is Anakin. Like, we know that. And mm-hmm. it's like, duh. But... At that time, it was probably the most well-guarded secret in the Empire. Yeah. I mean, they knew that he had a Jedi connection, but he's a Sith. They did not know that he was actually a former Jedi. Like the first time, really the only person who knows that, like Yoda and Obi-Wan, because they're the only ones still alive. I'm sure Bail Organa knows, but he's not really talking. But it's not known. So the fact that he knows it, and, and we actually saw in the first book, I think he knew then like when he first came into the Empire. Yeah. I think he already knew because he brings it up. Yeah. Like, why would you bring up Anakin? If you thought the Jedi were still in favor, but everyone knows at that point they had already tried wiping the Jedi out. So, yeah, I think it was a subtle nod to that. And my question is, how? How does he know that it's him? I think that it is due to just his innate ability to read people. And that's probably like fingerprint. No matter how much Vader was no longer like Anakin, I am sure mannerisms and the expectation of what is going to happen next was always the same. It's still imprinted there. But mm-hmm. it also could be something that ends up getting told to us in book three. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think that there's another potential possibility. I think that is very true. One, because he is really good at picking up on people's little ticks and idiosyncrasies. One of the things that happens in this book, so again, spoilers way towards the end, is that they find out that this force disturbance is actually Chiss children who are force sensitive, who have been kidnapped from their homes by this alien race that I didn't even think to write down. Grisk. Yes, the Grisk. So they have been kidnapped by the Grisk and the Grisk are using them like the Chiss use them as navigators to help map these uncharted hyperlanes so that they can safely go from one end of space to the other along paths that are not well known. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because the Chiss children are sensitive to the force. And they can see the future. Yeah, it's creepy. And Jedi know how to hone that, but Chiss children lose it. Yeah, they lose it as they get older. But one of the things that they mentioned that he was asking, is it always female children that have this gift? And he basically said, well, mostly yes. And they tend to lose the ability as they get older. 
So that means that it's not always female. So there could potentially be male chist children who are force sensitive who grow out of it, but maybe they still retain some of their smarts. Yeah, I I got that impression too. I kind of think Thrawn might be one of them and that may be why he's so protective of them. Yeah, I'm just it's just a it's just a theory. Maybe it'll come up in book three, but which comes out in July. I'm super excited. I know I'm very excited. But if Thrawn is vague, he's vague for a reason. Right. Most of the time he will very be very specific about what he expects and what he understands. So that's what kind of adds to it as well. He's like some most, mm-hmm. you know, when some he's using terms majority. like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think I find that his vagueness is, um, it's kind of entertaining for me because it's like, he says it. He's like, I don't really want to say until I know for sure. It's like, yeah, because you can't be wrong if you know for sure when you're making an assumption. And that that helps people to see your win record as much higher than it might be if you just keep the smarts to yourself. So, you know, life lesson for everyone else. Keep that shit to yourself. Yep. Thrawn has an ego. He can't be wrong. It's true. But he's never wrong. He has got just the best mind for this kind of stuff, for random strategies, for understanding opponents quickly. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. So now let's go back to the um, the second storyline, though. At the it's the same type of location mm-hmm. uh, during the Clone Wars, right? Yep. It's actually the same planet. Yeah, there's Daku on Bat- Batu. Yeah. Batu. So, yeah, they end up on Batu because Padme, one of her former handmaidens and bodyguards, has gone off to this place for reasons unknown. Maybe they say, I don't really remember. It wasn't that important. And she has sent a message back to Padme saying, something's going on out here. I'm going to check it out. But kind of like, help. You know, so yeah. come help me. So, you know, she tries to get Anakin to go with her, but he's got to go destroy some shit in a Clone Wars. He's got to go like four different battles. And he's not allowed to just drop anything for this person that he's not supposedly married to because that's a secret. Yeah, nobody knows that they're married. So this is actually after episode two, but before episode three. So if we want to put it into actual timeline status. But yeah, so she goes out there by herself. And she's trying to find, what's her name? I forgot what her name is, but you, yeah. as I can't remember her name. It's not that important. It's not one of the main ones that we've heard of in other books. But anyway, so he goes out there to find, she goes out there to find her, her former handmaiden bodyguard. She can't find her. So she immediately goes into town and she's dead, like in the town square, just laying in a coffin, just everybody's just milling around, walking by the dead lady. Like nothing, like that's normal. Yeah, like solely normal. And, you know, she's trying to send messages out, but they're out in the middle of nowhere, like right on the edge of the map, if you will. (laughs) Nobody knows what's beyond that, really, at that point. So, you know, she's not, it's not a reliable place for messages to get in and out. So while she's trying to send messages back to Anakin to let him know what's going on, they're not going through. So, of course, once he gets done with his war, he can come back and go, she's still not here she hasn't sent me any messages. Maybe I should go check this out. Yeah. So that's kind of the whole uh, second part is, uh, and most of the time, Anakin is looking for Padme. But we do learn what what's going on with Padme, and that there's you know, there's a bar. She kind of does some sleuthing around and finds out there's. She's very good. She is good. There's a big like factory being built on this, uh, this other planet. Uh, yeah, and. And what they're doing doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, it's cheaper to buy 
you know, something already pre-made, but no, they're buying it raw and then manufacturing it into something. They find out that the separatists are out there. That's that's what the big to-do is about. The separatists are out there and they're doing something in secret and they don't know why they would be doing it there instead of just getting the stuff and shipping it home, basically. Yes. So Padme says, well, I'm going to take this back and report it to the high council or whatever the fuck they call it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, everybody's safe and me as an ambassador stays alive. Yep. But she gets (laughs) shot down. (laughs) She gets shot down, as you do. Uh, no, she's, she just she just does whatever the fuck she wants. So she just went and investigated. She first. really does. She gets she yeah. well, she's trying to get over there sneaky, quiet, stealthy, but she gets shot down by some vulture droids, and her pod ends up like in the river, like she half sinks it, so she's hiding underwater, and she gets out and she's swimming to the bank or whatever, and she runs across these three old codgers who are out night fishing when they shouldn't be, and she somehow convinces them to kidnap her and hold her for ransom so that they won't turn her in to the metalheads, uh, yeah. which is the obviously the droid army that works inside this factory. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. She's like, I just need to get a message to my. Uncle Anakin, and he will bring money for you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was all kinds of weird, but you get the impression that these guys were hired by this facility for the fact that, you know, they keep their mouths shut. They don't go nosing around and stuff. And um, even though generally you would use droids for this labor, for some reason, they still were using people. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. They never clear. They never clarified why. They're just cleaning up, though, is all they really seem to be doing. They're like janitorial services. You don't think you could train a, a droid to, to clean? You can. I don't know why they don't, but they don't really... I mean, these people don't know why. It was their mine in their factory before the separatists came to set up shop. I don't Yeah, I don't so know maybe why. they didn't want to, to, to cause too many ripples with the local that's, population. That's probably more likely. Um it sounds like they don't feed them very well. They don't pay them very well, but at least they still have jobs because there's not, this is a backwater planet. They don't really have a lot of industry. They don't have a lot of jobs that are going to pay them. So they, they take her and they put her into hiding. And then one of yeah. the guys, Leb Jow, comes out and helps her and brings her food and water and clothes and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's cute. She really does this whole book by herself. I mean, she doesn't really get even with Anakin and Thrawn until the very, the very end. Yeah. Like it's it's all she's, you know, she's found a way to sniff it out, find the planet, get onto the planet, get into the factory, hide around in the factory. She goes and saves Anakin. So it's kind of a meh. Yeah, if Padme, if only you could use these kind of smarts for maybe finding a better husband, staying or... alive. <laughs> yeah. Something. Raising your children, not leaving them to the wolves. Just saying you made a lot of bad decisions for being so smart. That's all. There were a lot of bad decisions, especially for someone who was elected queen at like 12. I mean, come on. Exactly. You've known how to do shit for a really long time. It's just yeah. not, it's ridiculous. Now, what I don't remember is how Thrawn wiggled his way onto Anakin's rescue mission. Ah, Yes. So when they get to Batu, he's just hanging out like outside the planet. They've got some kind of defense thing. He's just up there. And so they start talking and he's like, hey, I can tell you where your friend's ship is. He's like, how do you know I have a friend with a ship? He's like, because nobody comes here. <laughs> nobody from the Republic ever comes <laughs> here. So clearly that's happened three times in the last you know month. So 
we we pretty much know you're together. So he sometimes, you know, he doesn't speak basic. He speaks uh, Miskow. Like he speaks Sibisti in the first book, which is why Eli Vanto gets to be on his team is because he also speaks Sibisti because it's a like a trade language, a shipping language. But in this one, they're speaking Miskow and Anakin apparently knows how to speak Miskow as well because story. I know, you know, they give the impression like Anakin's a smart guy, but I don't get that impression for by anything. Mm-mm. No, I mean, he's got the four, so he's got that precognition. Okay, what did you think about that? Every time he's in battle or he's flying or doing whatever, and he goes into that double vision mode? I don't know. It explained a lot of things. Yeah. Like in Rogue One, how like he was just kicked some ass without even blinking, right? Well, that's how he can anticipate the moves beforehand. And they they actually say that in episode one when he's pod racing. And the only reason he's the only human who can do it is because he has the precognition to see things coming before they happen so he can avoid them. And that's basically what we're seeing here. He's like, yeah, I mean, shots coming at torso, at head, at torso, at left arm. Like, and he can then dodge and weave around them because it happens before it's happened. Or even more impressively, throw the lightsaber before they hit and so that the blasters bounce back. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, that's pretty it's awesome. It's pretty cool. And in fact, I, I don't know how far I'm jumping ahead here, but when Darth Vader um, hears about the Chiss children and their ability to see in the future... He tries it, mm-hmm. and he can totally do the exact same thing. Well, Thrawn convinces him that he can do, because the problem is they need to get to where they're going to go, but there's no hyper lane. So, and it, people may not understand this, but again, if you're traveling in hyperspace, you can't just go in a straight line, right? Or if you do, you have to know that that line is in fact clear of things like planets and death stars and whatever else that you would literally fly right through or a star or something. So they have to have these maps to let them know where to make these jumps to go around different obstacles that are in space. This is a common FTL thing. Like if you're going uh, faster than the speed of light, you cannot see ahead of you. Right. And so you have to know that this space is clear. Right. And so that's... You know, that's kind of you know what happens here is they're they're traveling a hyperlane, but they get pulled out of hyperspace because there's something there disrupting their light speed. But anyway, so at the end, Thrawn basically says, listen, we need to go get these kids because it's dangerous to both my people, the Chiss and your people, the Empire, our people. So since we don't have any of them, you can do it. They're like. You've got this force sensitivity. You can see the future. So they they teach him to do it. He's never done it before, and he does it. And then it's like, whoa, look at that. Yeah, think of the calling you could have had, Mr. Vader. (laughs) You could have been the best fucking navigator in the Navy, sir. You could have made all kinds of maps. You could have lived. Could have lived. Yep, and you don't need all that armor for that. All you have to do is sit down. You know, how cool would he look if that armor was white instead? He'd look like a giant snow cone. (laughs) I, I I can't picture I cannot picture Darth Vader in a white outfit. I think he would just look like those snow troopers from Hoth in Empire Strikes Back, the ones that had just have instead of like a face helmet, they just have like a big beekeeper's net over their face in all white. I think that's what he would look like. All right. Okay. 
Yeah. No. So let's let's take a quick break, listen to a couple of promos, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey everybody, it's Walker for the Walker the Game Podcast. If you like reading comic books or just have an interest in getting started, check out the show. My opinions are 100% honest, even with the occasional attempt at humor. You can find me everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. My ugly mug even haunts YouTube. That's right, just search Walker the Geek or hit walkerthegeek.com. A place to geek like no one's watching. Because let's face it, nobody is. Hey, Heather, so have you been listening to a lot of podcasts this week? I have because I'm getting paid for them. I know. I love it. I've listened to probably 12 to 20 hours of podcasting in the last week, and it's just insane that I'm racking up the coins on PodCoin while I'm doing it. It's given me an excuse to listen to them because I'm able to either gather my coins for charity or actually gather my coins for me. Yay. So you guys should check out PodCoin too. We really love it. It's increased our listenership. We are earning coins for doing so. It's available if you are Apple or Android. Super fun. And if you want to get 300 free coins, all you have to do is use our code, which is nerdy, N-E-R-D-Y. And you can get those free coins to get you started. All right. So keep on listening. Have you ever watched an absolutely terrible movie and thought to yourself, what were they thinking? Because we sure have. So much so that we named our podcast after it. What were they thinking? Starring me, Nathan. And Brendan. Every other week, we take a bad to questionable movie and unpack it. So you don't have to. And then every other other week... We ate your cues with our mailbag. Or, you know, talk about whatever. No big whoop. No, no big whoop at all. So that's what were they thinking. You can catch us on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Uh, Also, a ton of platforms that Brendan made up. And we're back. Yeah, so we've been talking about Thrawn alliances and... The relationship between Vader and Thrawn is very interesting, but there's also a relationship between Anakin and Thrawn that were explored quite extensively. Yeah, all the way through the book, we get Thrawn making little references and inferences here. And the fact that Vader doesn't fully pick up on him is a little... hmm. Uh, but one of the things that he says over and over, because again, Thrawn will say something like, when we were here last time... And he's like, uh, you're the only one that was here, dude. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. When I was here with Anakin Skywalker, duh. (laughs) He's like, Anakin Skywalker is dead. This phrase is said through the book a lot. I'm like, are you trying to convince him or yourself? Because. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Because they even said a few times something along the lines of like, I even have it like Darth Vader even has a tough time remembering what life was like as Anakin. Well, he does. He talks about, oh, those are the Jedi's memories. Yeah. He calls him like his old self, the Jedi. So it's almost like he had a, a personality deviation when this happened and he's kind of put everything behind. And so this guy is sparking some of the memory of that, which he's not really a fan of. And he's also looking for Thrawn to fail at every turn like that. Nothing would make him happier than for Thrawn to be wrong. But Thrawn is never wrong. So let's talk about denial a little bit. (laughs) I mean, Anakin did murder a bunch of children and, you know, a couple of times, not just 
not just the the Jedi children. Remember, he wiped out an entire village of sand people, women and children, too. Yes. He cried about that one, though. Yeah. Eh. He didn't cry about killing them. He cried because his mother was dead and he was a pussy and couldn't save her. That's why yeah. he was crying. And Padme again. She's like, oh, let's get married. <laughs> Don't take him. I love him. <laughs> so stupid. She would totally be Trailer Park Barbie just standing out there. I mean, just. You know that. She, so bad. You know she writes people in prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> she is. She's totally one of those prison pen pals, marries, and then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading a book where that just happened, and I'm like, oh, what is happening? Was it um, the Ted Bundy story? There was a Ted. No. <laughs> like, like, at least that guy's girlfriend, he was girl. He, Ted Bundy's girlfriend was his girlfriend before he got locked up, but they still got married when he was in prison. It happens a lot. Apparently, a lot of these serial killers end up getting married while in prison after having chopped the heads off of many, many a person. Now. There's one thing that I can say for this. You know, if you're going to look at the bright side of things, maybe you don't want to say you're single, but you don't want to deal with men. <laughs> That's why you marry somebody that works offshore. Oh, <laughs> yes. That would probably be preferable to them being Off- in prison offshores. for killing people. But whatever, you know, similar. <laughs> Yeah, that's why you marry somebody who works offshore or in the Middle East or something. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I don't get it. I was like, you know what? I've got really nice friends who can't find a husband. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how do these serial killers end up with bitches lined up around the corner? I don't get it. I agree. I don't get it either. So weird. Anyway, Darth Vader had his bitch and she died. <laughs> the end it's terrible but anyway so yeah so thrawn basically spends the entire book and it's it's literally like the last maybe third chapter from the end where vader finally clicks in his head that thrawn knows who he is yeah like really and he's like all the stuff he was saying before like like, could he possibly know Uh, like he kept like saying stuff like that why does he keep mentioning anakin What does it mean? It's like a 15 year old girl. I'm like, what is happening? But yeah, I just it it's I think he's in denial. I think you're right about that. He's in denial. He doesn't want he thinks that he's this big bad guy and nobody's going to question his motivations. But that's not who Thrawn is. Thrawn is not the guy who goes with the grain. Yeah, he will absolutely look at every single instance and he's going to figure your shit out. That's how he defeats everybody. Yes, he would be such a benefit to the good guys. He would be, but oh well, he's mm-hmm. only there for the Empire. Whatever. So, And the, the defeat at Adelon that they keep talking about, I think that may have been the last episode of Rebels. Oh, I thought it was the end of book one when he let those people go. No, because he ends up kind of winning that battle. I think I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'll have to go back and look at that episode to see if it is, because he keeps talking about this one defeat and that at Adelon it, or at in the last episode of Rebels, spoilers, Thrawn gets um, what's his name? Ezra, the little Jedi and training guy, basically bolts his way onto his ship and they shoot off into hyperspace. Nobody ever sees him again. So like they didn't f- defeat the rebel cell. They did their thing. Uh, whatever. So I, I, it might be the same. I'll have to look and see. Yeah, that'd be cool. But they never say, you know, what happened with Ezra. He does very. There's one mention of um, Kanan Jarrus, who is the, you know, the 
Jedi Master guy in Rebels and in a couple of the books, like, uh, I don't know, whatever the first book is that came out, A New Dawn, uh, he, he did talk about not defeating him. So maybe that was the tie-in there. These, the, the whole timeline in Star Wars is a little bit timey-wimey. I wrote an, uh, an article about how to read the book club or how to read all of the Star Wars books. It's over on geeksofthegalaxy.com. It's really comprehensive. But a little bit of this is timey-whiny. It's hard to figure out because, again, especially books like this and one of the Han Solo books that went out, came out last year was a future and past kind of book where it flips back and forth between the two. Yeah, these two, yeah, they do get confusing. Um, our friend Shazi, she wrote this article like on the MCU and she kind of put it in a timeline. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wow, this is very confusing because then it's like... It flips back and forth, you know. Yeah, it makes your makes your head hurt. I wanted to do that after Captain Marvel to kind of track the Tesseract through history. I think people have done that. I just haven't Googled it. Yeah. But it's like, where did it, where, where, <laughs> where did it go <laughs> yeah. and how did he get there? I it's, don't understand. I mean, this was really, so. this was really an interesting book. I really like the two of them together because, you know, Vader is all brawn and no brains and Thrawn is exactly the opposite. So they actually work well together. The problem is they're too busy fighting over bullshit stuff. Yeah. I do I do like the part in the factory where Vader walks an empty suit through and fights with it. Ah, that was cool. That was amazing. I'd like to see that one like on visual. I visually yeah. like to And and by the way, Vader, how did Thrawn know you could do that? <laughs> because you did the same fucking uh, thing. He's seen it. You walked a dead body uh. through the <laughs> Yeah, I it's like duh. I don't know. So denial is not just a river in Egypt. It is real. Yeah, I okay. So here's my little bitch about the empire. So they talked about Thrawn was really wanted to put money into his Tie Defenders, mm -hmm. which were these kick-ass um, ships that were like the fighters. They were just better, and they didn't explode as easily. Sounds like a prop plus, right? Yeah, they've got shields. Yeah. I don't think the Tie Fighters do. Yeah, they just they just explode if you look at them funny, and then. Mm -hmm. But uh, Vader is all like, hey, I'm all Death Star. Da, da, da. Why is all of the Empire stuff, like, even if you are not necessarily a peace-loving people, why is it also on the offense, you know? Because when you're a dictator and an emperor, that's what you do. I don't know. You conquer. It's very small-sided. It really is. And I think, I think that's where the, the ultimate downfall comes in. Because when you're trying to strangle too many people, eventually they're going to fight back. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. They're always on offense. They're always taking over things and destroying things. Like, it's not a benevolent emperor, you know? <laughs> this is a douchebag and everybody knows it. I know. It's like they're just out there spraying their seed all over. And if you don't like it, then you get to die. <laughs> And they, they named themselves the Empire. They didn't name themselves like, oh, hey, the Republic of good guys that don't uh, necessarily yeah. want to kill you. So be cool, dude. This is the first galactic empire yeah. led by me, who looks like a ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, they, you know, that's the conquering peoples. That's what they are. And I think that's part of the big implication of why Thrawn is there because he represented the Chiss ascendancy. These people live out in 
uh, you know, wild space. They live yeah. out in the unknown region. But there's clearly shit out there. You know, somebody knows it. It's just unbeknownst to us kind of thing. He wanted to see what kind of threat the empire would be yeah. to his people. So he comes in and he teaches them stuff and he takes over their fleet. But eventually there's going to, you know, and that's what Vader keeps saying, that, you know, where's your loyalty? Are you loyal to the chest? Are you loyal? He's like, I'm loyal to you <laughs> right now because that's where I gave my word there, you know, and, and at this point, what they're fighting is of problem to both sides. So taking care of it helps both sides. But, you know, we saw in the last book, the end of the last book, so spoilers, fast forward, if you don't want to hear this, uh, he sends Eli Vanto to the Chiss Ascendancy. Yeah. I'm really hoping the third book will see Vanto again. I really want Vanto back because he's got a little Southern accent and is adorable. I love him. He's adorable. I, I, just put him in my pocket. I think that this is a primary problem with the Empire is that they demand this absolute loyalty without just thinking about something that could serve both. Um, and that's kind of what it sounds like. Thrawn is interesting. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to turn my back on my people. And right now, enemies of the Empire are enemies of my people. So what the fuck is the problem with me helping you out? Yeah. I, again, I think it's just the conquering party. That's just how they roll. They don't give a shit. It's, you know, follow me or die. And that's how we become the big bad boss. We all know that that doesn't work over time. And that's why those type of things tend to get overthrown eventually. And then immediately reappear in se in uh, episode um, seven. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the other thing is this leads. There's a lot of implications that comes from the Empire knowing what's going on in the unknown regions and being out of sight of the the powers that be or the masses that be. Because what we see at the end of um, Chuck Wending's book series, the Aftermath series, so you see at the end of that, they end up in unknown space, right? And that's the beginning of the, the First Order. So there's something out there and they know, like they've somehow gotten out there. So we don't know what that looks like or what they've built up out there just yet. But the First Order is able to very easily come out of that. So, yeah, there should be interesting things going forward. So anyway, I think this is a really fun book. Yeah, I think that you really got to see. In fact, even Thrawn mentions it at the end. Like, yeah, the Chiss know about you. Just beca because of that, I know the Gris know about you. Yep. We don't just sit there in the shadows and just uh, live in an ignorance. We look and we are... Um, we wa we take a look at what's around us, which is how he probably got involved with Anakin to start with. He's yep. like, what is this technology and how can I figure out what's going on? Mm -hmm. And he even tells them, you know, he's like the Grisks, you know, one of the downfalls that he sees to their uh, their style of fighting is that they they attack the closest ship, whether or not it's the biggest threat. Because they have this, you know, misplaced belief that whatever's closest is the first thing you deal with, even if it's the back ship that's actually doing the problem. So when Thrawn tries to turn him off, he sicks him on his own people, basically. Mm -hmm. But they know about it because they're watching. So, yeah. 
It's interesting. It'll, again, I'm interested. The third book comes out in like two months. I wish it would hurry up. I'm hoping I can get an advanced reading copy of it. I, I did get one of his other book, though. You got an advanced reading copy from Tim- Timothy Zahn? Yes, I did. Not from him, but from the publisher. And it's not this is any of the Star Wars books. It's a different, um, he has a separate series that he writes on, a fantasy series. And it's called, it's like the Sybil Wars, not Sybil, Sybil, like, like the, uh, like the lady with split personality syndrome? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, and I didn't read the first book. I think this is like the second book in the series, but it was one that was available. And I'm like, eh. So. Maybe you should get it signed. Uh, it's an ebook. So. Oh, that is Everything hard to... I do is ebook. Yeah, I don't really it's want like, him to sign my iPad. Can you sign my Kindle? <laughs> Please don't draw on my iPad, sir. But no, I, you know, I'm hoping that we can get an ARC on this next Thrawn book, that would be super cool. So Jenny and I are working on that in the back. Yeah, all right. Let's, let's, we threw another um, hashtag out there. Mm-hmm. Hashtag give me books. <laughs> um, so, all right. So I think this is a great book and it was a lot of fun. Do you have any final thoughts on it? Yeah. I just thought that it was a nice, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a counterbalance between two different fighting styles and two different strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they worked out well together. And you can see the chist. Now, I don't know how this isn't making an assumption that uh, Thrawn is a representative, a, 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 a typical representative of his species. But if he's not, I apologize to the chis. I'm assuming um, he's not, to be honest. I think he's probably pretty spectacular wherever he is. Yeah. But we'll yeah, find out. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So, but I, I see, you know, the chis think about the next move. So the chis are more chess as opposed <laughs> to, hey, I'm just going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah, they, they are more strategist chess players versus just stomping on the board. So yeah. they are Thomas Elliott all over again. If you listen to Bat Month. Yes. That's his name, wasn't it? Tommy, yep, Tommy Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I really enjoyed listening to Vader's inner monologue as much as yeah. Thrawn's. Like Thrawn's was, again, very much looking at other people. And Vader's was much more in his own head. Right. Yeah. Like remember either, you know, fighting with the Jedi's memories, remembering Padme, remembering these different things of a different time. But he still fully remembers everything that he did with Thrawn. Yeah, I, I, I do like it. I, I highly recommend this series and I can't wait for the third one to come out. Although if in, yeah. Eli Vanto is not in it, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I think you will be. So they did make one. You asked me before you ever read it, is Eli Vanto in it? And I was like, sort of. <laughs> because there's they just mentioned there's one there's like, one mention where the admiral says after the sudden disappearance of Eli Vanto like that was the only mention of him <laughs> in the entire book. I was like, "Uh, sort of?" <laughs> no. No, he's not. Oh, Eli Vanto, my favorite supply chain manager. Right. <laughs> Getting your representation on in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> so love it. All right. So let's remind everybody about our Patreon account because we sometimes forget to do that. Um, we are actually going to start offering because we've we met our first goal. Woo! Very exciting. We have some awesome sponsors behind us on there. So that's amazing. We love them to pieces. And we couldn't get any of our Comic Palooza swag without you. So mm-hmm. 
uh, we now that we've met that first thing, we're actually going to be offering some Patreon exclusive episodes at the $2 a month and above level. So definitely go out there. If you love our show and you listen to us, buy us a cup of coffee, right? Send us a couple dollars a month. It, it really helps out. It doesn't sound like much, but it helps us out a lot. Yeah. Um, so you can actually hit us up patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. And I'm going to be adding some more things to our website. We've recently revamped nerdybitches.com. So you can go on there. We've got a new store we're setting up right now. So big fun things coming. And when we're at Comic Palooza, we've got some swag to give out. Yeah. So again, gotta come see us. Yeah. Do you have an internet comment this week, Heather? I do. Would you like to hear it? I would. All right. It's a, I believe it's a tweet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, at Lou Treadaway said, keeping up with your girlfriend work-related rants is the ultimate stress, I swear. Way too many characters. Every single day, it's something like, guess what that bitch Karen did this time? And I don't even have a fucking clue which one Karen is for start. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fucking Karen. <laughs> always Karen. So I have a recommendation this week. We haven't okay. done a recommendation in a couple of weeks here. I'm actually going to recommend to you guys to go read the previous series that Timothy Zahn did on uh, back in the extended universe before they reset the canon. It's now Legends. So the first book in that series is called Heir to the Empire. And it's told mostly from uh, Leia's perspective, which is kind of cool. But Thrawn is in it. This is the first introduction of Thrawn um, and his Nogri, Rook. So Rook showed up back up in this book. So I was super excited that they brought him back in to the universe because he's big in that series. So go check out Heir to the Empire. It's the beginning of what they call the Thrawn Trilogy. And then there is a second series that's the Hand of Thrawn duology that follows up after that. So there's five books total that you can read to learn a little bit more about Grand Admiral Thrawn, his set, you know, his situation. It's not canon, it's legends. But again, because they brought Timothy's on back, I'm going to assume a lot of this stuff is going to come back. So that's my recommendation. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Um, okay. I think that's all we've got for this week. Uh, we all haven't right. announced our next book club yet, so we will do that soon. Yes. And we'll see everybody next week at Comic Palooza. Yay. So excited. Music provided by www.bensound.com, and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. <laughs>